Hey y'all, this is Ryan Monso, and this is a Talking About Them Cougars podcast from GoCougs.com. We're talking spring football, everything we learned, new OL coach, departures, people coming in, spring game issues, and more. We're going to talk basketball, transfer portal, and, you know, stuff like that. Music. This is Ryan Monso, and I'm partnered with, what's your name? Brad Towns. Brad Towns, still. Yeah, Brad Towns. And we are now partnered with Dave Campbell's Texas Football and a member of the Republic of Football Network from Dave Campbell's. And we're back doing podcasts. Haven't done it in, I don't know, a while. But we're back. Been a few minutes. Yeah. A few minutes. Good to be back. Good to be back. Woo! So let's jump right into spring football. Dana Holgerson met with the media today. It's Monday the 10th. He talked for about 25 minutes and gave us a few tidbits, a few interesting morsels. And we're going to jump into that. Brad, you stop me whenever you want. If you want to just add anything, I'm going to talk. But, you know, I know you're a big insider. Dana said that 35% of the roster was not available for spring football meaning guys that are out for injury, guys that have been recruited and are not on campus yet, and people coming in from the transfer portal. Okay, Next yeah, week, I would, I would on the ask. 15th, the portal opens. And they're looking for 11 new guys, is what the number is right now. They want four or five offensive linemen. They want a third scholarship quarterback. And then it's really unclear where the rest are going to come from. I'm going to bet there's a receiver that comes at some point, even though there's a ton of receivers. Dana just loves to stockpile receivers. True. But yeah, he said 35% of the roster was not around for the spring. And that dovetails into something else he said that I found completely fascinating is that Dana said that June and July are now more important to teams than spring ball. And I've never thought of it this way. I I think of it, Kelvin is very big on June and early July. There's an eight-week period that, that they get to work with the players a few days a week. And he's very big on that. Well, football, uh, Dana said that June and July are more important. And I think the main reason is because of guys coming in from the portal. Guys who go through spring ball where they were, not happy, don't like where they are on the depth chart. Right. And they move. So if you're talking 35% of a 105-man roster, I mean, that's, that's 36 guys, right? I did the math there. 37 guys. So that's a lot. And this team doesn't have a ton of depth at a lot of important positions. And I I wonder what that's going to mean for them heading into the big 12. I mean, Um, the portal portal opens what next week. Yeah. The 15th. So basically we're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be grabbing guys who um, have found themselves down the depth chart of, 
the guys who who might not have had a good shot at breaking the depth chart, but wanted to kind of stick it out for spring and see how they did. And they find out that, oh, well, I really don't fit here. Um, you know, I don't like being third on the depth chart. I'm not going to get to play. Well, where, where can I play? Oh, I heard U of H is hiring. Sure, I don't think down. it's that big a deal. I think it's actually a good thing. If you can find second stringers in other D1 programs, I guess it's really always about the individual, but I think finding good talent that you can develop, I think that's important. The problem is they're looking for four or five offensive linemen in this time of year. And that to me is distressing. That's a huge red flag. Well, yeah, you, I mean, you can't, you, know, you can't be looking for half your offensive linemen basically um, on your two deep this late in the year. Well, and it's really, really, really bad timing given that we are about to ramp up in competition um, to a level that, well, I mean, to a, to a level that this program hasn't seen. Um, we haven't played a team remotely close to what we're going to see every week other than, well, we played Texas Tech. We played um, Kansas last year. Um, two perennial bottom-of-the-barrel Big yes. 12 team. Um, the last time we played a really good Big 12 team is we got our doors blown off at OU. Yeah. And that is one of the problems with the scheduling philosophy in the last few years. You just haven't played that many P5 programs. And as the schedule has been watered down and watered down, you're not playing that that elite talent. And now you're about to jump in and you're just not you're not ready. And you don't have the depth. And you you know, in a lot of spots, you don't have the front line talent. Uh, offensive line, which everybody's worried about. Well, there I mean, are I mean, huge concerns. Not just not just the talent. We're talking about the physicality that that you're going to be facing week in, week out. Um, yeah. You know, with the with the previous schedules, you know, even let's just say that you know, okay, that Texas Tech and Kansas, um, Washington State previously, um, guys like that, they were they were more physical than what we normally face, unless we're playing like Cincinnati and we only played though them twice in the last four years but these guys are going to these guys are going to be facing that physicality every single week it's not something that they're going to be used to i mean they're you know it's a different game and i'm not even talking about the skill gap that they're going to be facing i mean the receivers are going to be bigger stronger faster defensive backs are going to be bigger stronger faster linebackers same same thing but the offensive and defensive line they're going to be brawlers compared to what we're used to. Yeah, and if you just go back and look at regular season games against Big 12 type talent, again, won one of those in a long time. And I'm talking even Cincinnati and Central Florida and BYU. Yeah. Uh Washington State, OU, Texas Tech, Kansas. You have to go back to 2018 Arizona the last P5 regular season win. The right. bowl game against Auburn, 
that's a win, I guess. You, But they didn't care. You did beat Arizona at Arizona 2017. You lost to Texas Tech that year. You lost Louisville and OU really are the last time, and that's 2016. That was three coaches ago. Tom Herman's had three, four jobs since then. Yeah, that's right. I forgot he got that FAU job this year. Yeah, well, he had uh, uh, here in Texas and uh, Chicago Bears for a year and then CBS Sports for a year, and then now he's got FAU. But you're just not, this this program hasn't shown that it's ready. And having a need for four or five offensive linemen at this point in the year is a huge red flag. Dana said that they had 10 offensive linemen through the spring. They would have had 11, but Cameron Johnson uh, ejected after two practices. Uh, We had a a just did not. We, there was, there's been a mass exodus, right? Yeah. And so it started last year, and but Cameron Johnson is the face of that. Nagavi was brought in. Dana has focused on talking about run blocking, and that is what Nagavi has talked about the two times that I've spoken with him. I don't know how I take that with all the skill guys you have, and the entire focus is on run blocking. I get Alton and Brandon Campbell and Stacy Sneed, and they're going to want to shorten games in the Big 12 even more than they did in the AAC the last four years. There, there's a huge gap here that it's going to be fascinating to see what they get. Uh, they brought Max Baines in last week after a year after he left. That was a Brandon Jones issue more than anything. You know, Max never really got it going here. And we'll see if he's able to get it done this time around. I believe he's brought in for depth. I don't think they're expecting him to be a frontline starter. Yeah, I mean, I, I if I was going to assume, um, I would I would assume that you've got the two former UT backups who are going to slide into starting positions. I guess Freeman is back at center. Yeah, Dana was gushing about Freeman and Patrick Paul. Um, he said Tank Jenkins had a really good spring. Now, yeah. well, I, mean, I don't know what that means. He allegedly had a really good spring last year. He did. I th- maybe he's an XFL guy. Maybe he just wants to play spring football. But it's a good time, good time to shine. Yeah. Uh, but then again, if you had if you had a good offensive line last year, um, seeing the way the defense performed, there's a real good explanation for that. What is that explanation? If they had a really good spring, if the offensive linemen looked really good last year during the spring, um, well, it's because our defense was terrible. Yeah, that is a concern. The quarterbacks last week when we spoke to them were very excited about the wide receivers and the separation they were getting in spring. And I, I just couldn't stop thinking that, uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I think say every one of our opponents thought the exact same thing last year. Uh, it's just so hard to get amped up from spring. Dana sort of hinted at a open practice in August. We'll see if that happens. I talked to some insiders last week, and that was one of their main topics after canceling the spring game. You know, they were a little sensitive to 
talk about not marketing the program correctly, which was very it's, interesting that they care a, what I think. It's not even a case of them marketing, marketing it correctly. It's not like we're saying, hey, you're doing all this great, all this marketing, but it's it's wrong. It's the fact that it doesn't exist. That's what's wrong. That that could be a problem. I could see where you're coming from. I mean, I, I completely understand calling off the spring game because because of rain. I mean, you know, I know coaches probably aren't huge fans of the spring game anyhow. No. Um, definitely don't want to do it in the rain. I mean, Auburn tried that. That was a bold move. But it was the fact that times were all over the place. Nothing was locked down solid. You ask one person <clears throat> or you get an email from one, about one announcement for one time, and then it's and turns out it's, oh, that's not the right time. Um, it's an hour later. It's some, some sometime between 6 and 7.30, everybody show up, and we might have it and we might not. It might be a live scrimmage. It might be practice. We don't know. Um, I just think we we dropped the ball in hyping this program. But then, but then this is this has always been an issue uh, for me with U of H. So nothing really, nothing's really changed, and it hadn't changed since I've been here since 1994. You're really old. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about spots we think are going to actually be good. I think running back is solid. Now, obviously, that depends on the offensive line, right? It depends on if you can get defenses out wide. We have not shown an ability or a desire to run the ball outside in quite a while. I think that changes with Donovan Smith. I think they'll do some different things. I'm not sure, but Nagavi was brought in to transform the running game the way he did for... Willie Fritz at Tulane. I'm worried we're focused on one good season at Tulane and we're putting our, our eggs in that basket. I'm just happy to see McCaskill back. I think he I think he's got an unbelievable amount of talent and um I know he's a hard worker. Um I know our training staff is good. I'm not concerned about his knee holding up, but I am excited about the full year of strength training he's been able to go through yeah. and doing extra strength training in preparation for what's what lies ahead of him because I, th I think that would just make him make him better so i'm excited to see i mean i'm excited to see what he's going to look like and given the opportunity um It'll be interesting to see the effect of a new offensive line coach. What we were doing in the past before this year, before going into next year, um, that wasn't working. I don't know what they were doing, but it wasn't working. Uh, sorry, what? It wasn't working? No, wasn't working very well. Huh. Um, so, I mean, any change is good in that in that respect. Let's put it this way. They can't be worse. That's a bumper sticker. Can't be worse. Brandon Jones got the job at Missouri, and I'm fascinated to see if if he is another U of H assistant that was terrible here and goes and shines somewhere else. Right. 
coaches seem to like the guy. But I'm, for a I'm still waiting for it to happen. From a personal standpoint, I heard he's I heard he's a great dude. Well, the first thing he did when he got to U of H was block Go Cougs on Twitter. Smart. I mean, like day very, one. Very smart. I'm not saying it's dumb. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just like the first thing he did. I went to look and was like, oh, all right. Okay. I'm interested in that. And I'm also interested in what Brian Early is able to do with the defensive line. Because they're this stepping up a weight class here. It will be so interesting to see if he can continue putting out guys that go from being good players to great players after a year or two with him. This is going to be his biggest challenge, obviously, if not just because moving up in weight class, but this is going to be, this is basically a clean slate that he's starting over with from, from on the defensive line. So he had a couple of guys that he could at least rely on that he could mold, but they'd already been, they'd already proven that they were going to be quality pass rushers. They were guys who, who showed that they could do a job, not great, but they could do a job and he got the most out of them. And he did that. And he did that with Parrish. He even did it with, um, uh, DeAnthony Jones. Yeah. Um, this year, I, there is talent there. Nelson this Caesar. Year, this year, this got, year, the only the only pass rusher you've got coming back that's had any impact is Caesar. Yeah. Well, you 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 have Chidozi at the nose, said, and you I have. Just, I just said I'm just talking about pass rush. Fine. Chidozi does stuff apparently that's really really huge monumental stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet so it's really hard to quantify that yeah um i just have to take their word that hey he's doing they said he's doing good um i can't point it to it on a stat sheet um so sure uh they really like the guy from oklahoma david we're gonna have to learn to say his name because dana can't say it and nobody else i've heard can say it either and they like garfield lawrence the kid from tyler i think jeremy caldwell this is his year they have thought big things were coming for him brian early has thought that i think it's time for him to to step up and and we'll see just as a random thing dana in the after the press conference was over kind of looked at me and said what do you think about our kicking situation because i've i've questioned him before on the pickers <laughs> and he really likes this guy jack martin who comes the the guy that came from alabama who's okay. from dothan alabama he's very excited about him but said that kyle ramsey had a fantastic spring let's talk about basketball for a little bit why not right sure <laughs> don't get still, excited still, well i mean it's still depressing that that you know we didn't we didn't achieve what we had set out for but you know it was still a good year all all, all in all i mean you know we, we've talked about it we've talked about it a bunch and written about it a bunch um anything can happen in the in, in the, the tournament. tournament anything can ha- i mean miami went on a weekend run 
in and two we, games I mean, against Houston and Texas that were program-defining. I mean, it's the biggest weekend in Miami basketball history. And we've been there before. I mean, we've done that. We we yeah. we went on a we went on a on a huge run in March whenever we went to the Final Four a couple of years ago. Right, but I mean, Miami beat the one and the two seed. Right. I mean, that's a well. I mean, and it, you know, be fair. Last year was kind of our miracle run. I mean, you know, you lose your your two uh, your top sure, guard for sure. You beat a number uh, one team. You beat an Illinois team, and you just run into a. Yeah, I think Il- can't Illinois make a was bucket. What, a three seed, something like that, three or five. Yeah. Um, I think this team, what this team was late in the year, February, March. I don't, I don't think they really underachieved with the Sweet Sixteen. I think maybe the Elite Eight was probably the sweet spot, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think they played like a Final Four team late in the year. I don't think and, they played like a Final Four team at all. There were there were flashes. I mean, I mean, they that, were brief. That, that's the that's the thing. Then that, that's the reason why I say that they didn't play like a Final Four team. They played like a team. They played like a team that had all the potential to win a national title. Yeah. But I never really felt. I mean, it, the the entire year, you know, you can see oh, little pieces are starting to come together. Okay, well, okay, Tremont's figured it out, and then he didn't figure it out. And Jarris was figuring it out, and he wasn't figuring it out. And then, you know, it was it was up and down with all the pieces, and they never really got in complete sync like we had seen in the past. Yeah, there were there were flashes of really really good games, and we played like a two a two week stretch of of quality basketball. But then it was then we would just miss something, and and someone would I mean Jarris would disappear. Tremont would disappear. I mean, they were on the court, but they just weren't in it. And it was it just it just never really came together. I think um, that's fair. I think that's really fair. Still actually. still a really, really good team, but there's a difference between being a really good team and being a legit team that can go in and win the national title. Yeah. We had all the pieces to do it, and we've shown those flashes of being able to do it. But is it all going to happen all at once? And I think I mean, the even, Final even, Four that you got showed you that it's really hard to put it all together, right? That right. really good teams struggled to do that, with the exception of UConn. UConn just ran through everybody and deserved absolutely to win it. And I hate those words even going in my ears, but you got to admit they were they were a really 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 good team. I mean, I don't I don't have any love for UConn, and I think our website shows that. But I mean, they just got it done. It's five times in twenty five years is really impressive. Oh yeah. Uh, what Jim Calhoun did through his anger and his bitterness. And what Hurley is doing through his anger and his bitterness is really impressive. So and you're saying Kevin Ollie was just way too nice of a guy. The sandwich, the sandwich between. Well, Kelly. he got it. He got one. He got one his his first year. Basically, yeah, but that doesn't over, matter. The holdover. Yeah, but he also was the reason why they fell off the map. Yeah, well, that happens. 
Look, but if Alvin Brooks up, would have won one national title in his first year, you'd have been fine with it. If James true. Dickey would have won one in his first year, okay. He would still be here. With a lifetime contract, yeah. Thankfully, he's not. But it does it does prove the old adage that you don't want to be the guy who follows the guy. You want to be the guy that they hire after they get rid of the sandwich guy. Or you want to be the guy that follows 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 the guy. True. Like Kelvin Sampson was. Yeah. You got to get those first six guys out of the way. Exactly. And then you can really blossom. Then you can, then then you have real greatness ready to go. That's been proven. Yeah. Because... Pat Foster and Alvin and Clyde and Ray Mack and Tom and James Dickey. I don't think I missed anybody. Yeah. Man, there was some crap basketball. But yeah, it was it was a it was a tough end, tough end of the season. Um and then it immediately got worse with Tremont announcing he was entering the portal. Um it's unfortunate. It was unfortunate. Um, I really, I really like watching him play. Um, I think he has a high ceiling. Um, I was really looking forward to what he would look like on this team next year, where he had the opportunity to be the man and the ball go through him. Yeah. Um, to get a more of a starring role. Um, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. He, you know, he he's made a business decision and. I respect it because, you know, for decades, business decisions were being made for players and they really had no choice. Um, Now they do. Now they get to act just like coaches. If there's a bigger, better deal, they're gone. And more power to them. I mean, it's not, ain't nothing we can do about it. And I hold, I hold no ill will towards him. I'm, I'm, I appreciate everything he's done, but it was a blow. It was a blow. Um, fortunately, the portal doors swing both ways. And since he's gone, we've had some really, really exciting things come about with new guys coming in. It with- looks like they were super prepared for this. And that is exciting to see. And yes. Kellen Sampson has turned me I don't want to say 180, but like 179. He has flipped me into believing in him as the future of this program. Well, the only the only reason why there was any question, I mean, I think you and I were probably the two of the louder ones, you know, three or four years ago saying, hold on, it's not, it's not time to say he's the head coach in waiting yet. Let's, let's. Let's let him work through it and earn that. And I would yeah. say he's earned that. More than, a thousand percent. He, uh, he's definitely earned that. And he's he's actually shown, he's showing to, to me to be better than what I thought he could be, as at least as a number one assistant. But then again, I don't think he's, I think he's taking on more responsibility than a number one assistant. I mean, I really see him taking the reins of being a head coach in waiting. That's very perceptive of you, Brad. 
No, I mean he's he's not just you know he's not your he's not your just your typical assistant coach. He's doing a lot more than that. I agree. That's why I said it was perceptive. I think he does more on coat on court coaching, scouting, and recruiting than any coach I've ever seen. The recruiting is the part that gets you excited because he's the number one guy on most of these guys that get you excited. And when we talk to people or when we talk to players, we talk to them in NIL situations. One of the first questions I ask is who recruited you? Who was your guy? You know, who was the one that you were talking to the whole time? And it's almost always Kellen. Right. And the work that I've seen him do with Jarris and with Juwan has been very impressive. I, I want to see that continue, but I, I really feel like he has done so much on court as well as recruiting that the only way this can mess up is if we go off the deep end with assistance and they can't sustain the recruiting. Right. And so you've got to just have that number one assassin there ready to pick up where Kellen leaves off when Kelvin retires. Right. LJ Cryer and Damian Dunn, Dunn from Temple, Cryer from Baylor. When you got done Saturday afternoon, you thought, well, this is a home run. And then less than 24 hours later, you get LJ Cryer and you think, holy crap. What yeah. are they doing over there? Yeah. And they well, just stacked them right on top of each other, on top of McFarland and Tugler and, and Cordell. I think this is as good a young nucleus as the program has had since Faisal Amajama. And don't forget about Lath, who's been here. Lot. You say his name, Lot. L-A-T-H. Lot. Lot. Yeah, okay. it's wild. Well, he takes a whole lot of space. L-A-T-H, yes. Yeah, that, that's, that, that, those guys are horses, man. Those, those are... And it's, it's interesting to watch and from from the outside to watch kind of the the type of recruits that we've gotten over the years and how it's progressively got it gotten better and better and better and better you know each year they're getting they're getting good if not better skill but they're also getting better frames on you know physical stature of guys coming in guys who are put together a lot better than guys we've had in the past. And it's, you know, no, it's nothing against those other guys, but our profile as, as it's gotten better, we're getting those athletes that fit the profile. You know, one of the things that, that worries me is you bring in a coach an assistant or whatever, who's used to recruiting at X level. And he thinks that that's the level and that's the people that he knows and that's the level he's he's recruited at, and he just stays there. Right. And, like, you brought Nagave in on football, and he comes from Tulane and then Louisiana Monroe and McNeese. I mean, we're not talking powerhouses here. Right. And so is he going to be able to recruit at that Big 12 level? Well, basketball is the same thing. And Kellen right. and, and those guys, 
have elevated that recruiting every single year. Right. And that's the thing that impresses me is they go well, recruit over everybody on the roster. Oh yeah. There you, your, your position is not sacred. You don't, I no. mean, just because you might be the starter this year doesn't mean you're the starter next year. And that's the that's the only way to build competition. Well, I mean, think think back think back two years ago. You know, we had uh, Jamal as a freshman. We had um, we had Tremont as a freshman. Both of them saw a lot of minutes. Tremont saw more minutes. Yeah. Um, and then you also had Marcus Sasser. Well, what do they do? The, what do they do in the offseason? They they go and get Tajay Moore. And yep. Kyler Edwards, yep. guys who were going to be competing for those exact spots that you yep. thought that, oh, well, this, this is, this is going to be Tremont's spot for the next four years, as long mm -hmm. as he's going to be here. He, hell, you know, why would you go get those guys? Competition. You're not, yep. there is no, your position's not sacred. You have to compete and earn your position because our coaching staff is going to get the best players that they can possibly get. And the cool thing is, is that it's, they're not recruiting a new, new type of player. It's not like they're saying, Oh, we've got to move up the chain to, uh, to be able to, we got to start talking to these really good players. They've been recruiting these guys for years. They've been recruiting and going after elite players from day one. All of a sudden, those players are starting to say yes. Yeah. So, so it, it's not like they're, it's not like they're saying, oh well, you know, here we are in lowly old AAC and we're a one bid league, two bid league. Um, and we're just gonna get the guys that we think we can get. No, they were they're swinging for the fences. They're going after they're going after the McDonald's All Americans. They just weren't getting them. They weren't getting anywhere with them. And I'm sure most of it's like, hey, I really like you guys, but. You know, I got this opportunity with Duke. I've got this opportunity with you know, the the blue bloods of of college basketball, and now we're stepping into that. You know, you can go Sweet Sixteens, you know, Sweet Sixteen, Final Four, Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen. Um, people start to notice. You spend seven weeks at number one just because you've developed a reputation, not because we're the best team in the country, but we've developed that reputation. That well, shoot, they haven't lost, so they got to be great. I gotta be number one. Yeah. I mean uh, the the way too early predictions have us in the top ten next year. Well, that's ridiculous. And that's that's even that's even with Tremont Mark leaving and no. Sasser being gone. I, so you yeah. got two two of your you got your three top scorers gone and people are still putting us in the top ten. That's respect. Or it's just lazy reporters. And you never ever can dismiss that as an idea. Because it's always possible. True. But well, everybody is dealing with the same issues, right? They're all dealing with Transfer Portal. They're all dealing with NIL. They're oh, all yeah. dealing with kids that have NBA lights in their eyes. Right. As NIL continues to develop and people are more invested in it, uh, different schools, if U of H can continue to win battles, then that's that's really impressive. Because U of H is coming at NIL, and I say this as somebody that does NIL, coming at it from a disadvantage. And right. Mattress Mac has made a huge difference, but right. it's not enough, and no. you can't put all your eggs in that one basket. Right. But if U of H 
can continue on this trajectory and people buy in, then it could be a lot of fun for a lot of a long time. Well, and you know, we're we've got to do it, we've got to do it a little bit different than other schools. You know, the the guys that we're competing with, you know, these top fifteen programs in the country that we're now a part of, um, they're able to take money and go get players. Well, we're still getting players, but we're going if we're gonna play the NIL game, we gotta kinda do it the the opposite way. We've got to get players to get more money to go get more players. And it's got to, you know, because we're starting from basically ground zero. You know, they're not, when, when this NIL stuff started, it's taken a lot of work to get to where we are right now. And it's, we're still not even anywhere near where a lot of our competitors are. But it hasn't put us at a major disadvantage because the program is the biggest attraction. I mean, I think I read I read the other day that that Cryer was interested because of the history of development of guards here, and specifically mentioning um, guys like uh, Quentin Grimes, and of course Mark Sasser. But guys, Quentin Grimes is going to continue to be a recruiting selling point for years and years. Quentin, yeah, Quentin Grimes, and and I, I said this whenever whenever it was when he was catching fire in his last year here, he was here for two years. Uh, his year one was good, but it wasn't what year two was. But as he started to catch fire, I thought then and there that Quentin Grimes is the most important recruit in the recent history of U of H basketball because he showed what can be done and the impact that our style of play, the type of coaching that you receive, and the, the level of development the players receive here. Um, because he wasn't horrible at Kansas, but he wasn't good. He wasn't Quentin Grimes. No. And he wasn't what he the was, Kansas people expected and not what he expected. You know, he wasn't the elite, you know, five-star McDonald's All-American that he was coming out of high school. Um, nothing like what they had like this year with, with Grady Dick. But he's a guy that I guess you could possibly say that he was he Kansas is in a different stratosphere from where we were and where we are right now still. Um, but for them, he was a failure. For us, we're like, oh, I thought he had I thought he was pretty solid. But then he comes here and all of a sudden he's that guy. And it comes down to the the development that this this program um, does for kids. But yeah, I, I went from, I went from I went from being depressed and God, where's where where are these where's the talent going to come from? Where, how are we going to do this? To basically saying basically looking at the uh, the numbers from from Dunn and Cryer, it looks like we've pretty much replaced Marcus Sasser and Tremont's production. Yeah. But you still got to replace Jarris, and you're going to try to get that out of a lot of young guys. And obviously, they think Terrence Ar Arsenault's the next guy, kind of out on the wing. We'll see. Oh yeah, yeah. And but between Lot and Francis down low, and Jawan maybe at the four. Yeah. 
Arsenault. I think Kelvin Sampson is going to be giddy going into June and what they're going to do. And just the first day. So Kelvin told us that in the summertime, he has the assistant coaches run the show. And he kind of steps back and lets them do everything, except for Fridays. And Kelvin <laughs> says Fridays are his day. And I think he is going to be more excited about Fridays this summer than he has in a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because there is so much that he's going to get to do and fiddle with. And I would love for us to be able to go inside the game on one of those Fridays just to see. Maybe we oh, can yeah. figure that out. Yeah. I think I think he's going to – I think he's going to love the opportunity – to uh to get his hands on crier um, sure. he's not going to have to he's not going to have to reinvent the wheel and get him to learn how to shoot because the guy's just an assassin yeah um but his biggest flaw and his biggest downside right now is lack of defense right if you can get him to play some defense and and develop that side of him you got a first round draft pick. Yeah. If you can get him to play defense along with really good shooting and ridiculous free throw shooting, like I don't know how fans are going to deal with this. The two of them average about 85% from the free throw line. Well, and they also do something that we haven't done. They create contact, time. right? <laughs> they get to the line. Yeah. Uh, no, this team was horrible at getting to the line this year. One of yeah. the worst in the country. And these two guys are going to create contact. Now, hopefully that's within the flow of the game and not just god-awful ISO, which I'm just not interested in. Right. But we'll see. I think that's going to be it for the first one. I don't think it was terrible. I don't think Dave Campbell's is going to fire us. Not yet. It's still early. It's very early. It's very, very early. Hey, we, we don't have any wins and we don't have any losses, so everything's great. Yeah. Uh, and maybe one of us gets replaced. It's probably me, and that's fine. <laughs> I have enough to do. But if it is, I hope you and, and your new teammate do a great job. Uh, if it's you, well, yeah. Uh, but thank you so much. If you've gotten all this way, through this, you need a life, but thank you. And Go Cougs is continuing through the summer. We took a long break last year because I, I needed it. This summer, we've got some different series and some different programming coming, and I'm really excited for it, like really excited for it. And it's going to continue football, basketball, maybe even some baseball. We'll see. Who knows? We might even talk baseball on a podcast. We'll see getting okay in baseball it's not great yet but it's getting okay yeah. we'll see better than losing better than losing put that on a bumper sticker too yep thanks for listening that's brad towns i'm ryan monso this is gokooks.com with dave campbell's texas football on the republic of football podcast network that's it